While You Were Folding, Episode 24, When Your Spouse Travels, with Ashley Stevens. Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things, marriage, parenting, faith, friendship, culture, what I'm reading and watching, and whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been a wife for 10 years and a mother for eight. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will introduce you to some amazing guests, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father of mercy, thank you so much for the gift of this summer season. I know that I keep saying that week after week, but I am just so grateful for this time to have more of an unscheduled schedule, time to reconnect with the kids, time to slow down and spend some more time with Philip, and time to have a little bit more of a quiet, more leisurely prayer life as well. Please help us to find those small pockets of time. And I know for some of us, it's trickier with more children at home, but help us to find the blessings of this season and to try and be thankful for the changes that the season brings for all of us. We pray these things through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's do a quick weekly recap. This week, my kids are participating in our diocesan TOTUS TUIS program. And if you don't have TOTUS TUIS where you live, I'm going to link to our diocesan website for it. TOTUS TUIS is a phrase that comes from St. Jo- Pope John Paul II. It means totally yours. And it's a great chance for kids around the diocese just to learn more about what our faith is all about. Here, I'm going to pull up their website. They learn about the Eucharist, Marian devotion, about Mary, catechetical instruction, what the basic beliefs we have of our faith, and vocational discernment, figuring out what it is that God is calling them to. And they have a whole bunch of fun. And this year, I know that they're focusing a lot on the luminous mysteries of the rosary, And Jane and Walt are participating in the program this year, and I'll share more about it next week after they've gone through the full week. But I just feel so blessed that we have these awesome, on-fire young people that are participating. The leaders of TOTUS TUIS are college-age students and seminarians from the diocese that are teaching the kids. And they have a school-age program starting for kids going into first grade all the way up to eighth grade. And then they also have a high school program in the evening for the older high school kids. And our kids have been able to participate in it just for a couple of years now since they're on the younger end of the spectrum. But we love it. My only gripe is that we do not have the equivalent of like a vacation Bible school for the little kids. There's nothing for the ones that are younger than the ones that are going into first grade. So I know we have some other parishes around the diocese that do do a vacation Bible school, um, but 
through a Catholic lens. I know a lot of our Protestant churches nearby do a vacation Bible school, and they totally rock vacation Bible school. So if you do some sort of a program at your parish that is awesome, and it's through a specifically Catholic lens, and it's something that you could share with me, I would love to hear about it. Please, you can email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. I want to hear what your church is doing to reach the little ones. Also, we are having so much fun finally being a read-aloud family, and we are embracing audiobooks. I know I shared in a previous episode that we've been doing during nap time audiobooks before naps, and it's a major hit around here. Our kids play with these things called Plus Plus. They're these little building block type things. I'll link to them in the show notes, or they'll usually do some coloring while we listen, and we're probably... Oh, halfway through the Henry Huggins audiobooks by Beverly Cleary. And I know I said in a previous episode that the actor Neil Patrick Harris, he was Dookie Hauser, and he was also on How I Met Your Mother. Um, He's one of the narrators for the Henry Huggins books, and he's phenomenal. He does a great job with all of the voices and the intonation. So the kids really enjoy that. And our current bedtime read aloud is absolutely slaying me. (laughs) We're reading Where the Red Fern Grows, and I know we are approaching the ultimate emotional climax of the story, and I'm not quite ready for it yet, but the kids are really enjoying that one. But I want to hear from you. We have three contenders for our next read aloud, and I want you to weigh in with which one would be your selection. Or maybe you have a different one that I don't even have on the list. We have Pippi Longstocking by Astrid Lindgren. We have The Wonderful Lizard, Lizard, (laughs) The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum, or The Trumpet of the Swan by E.B. White. So let me know which one of those three you think should be our next read aloud. Pippi Longstocking, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, or The Trumpet of the Swan. I'd love to hear which one you think our kids would enjoy most. And if you don't know, we have four kids. The oldest one is going into third grade, and then we have a second grader and a preschooler and a two-year-old. So keep that in mind when you give your feedback on the read aloud. The last thing I want to share from my weekly update. I am very excited about this. I had a really big milestone last Friday night. I took the kids to the pool by myself, and that was for the first time ever. I had never done that before. And what inspired all of this was last week, I listened to the most recent episode of Gretchen Rubin's podcast. It's called Happier. And if you've never listened to it before, it's one of my favorites. I highly recommend it. And Gretchen and her sister Elizabeth, they talk about different topics, and it's all revolving around how you can make your day-to-day life happier in big and small ways. And they were talking about this idea of limiting beliefs and how we don't even realize we have them until someone else points them out to us. But we have a belief, and it's exactly what it sounds like, where you are limiting your life in some way by believing this thing. And I finally realized that one of my limiting beliefs was that was me thinking I can't go to the pool by myself with the kids. Philip always has to be with me or another adult who I know can be totally 100% present and hands-on with the kids. Otherwise, I can't do it by myself. 
But last week, we had an evening when Philip was working late, and it was one of those days. And we all know what I'm talking about, where we were desperate for an outing, and the outing always creates more work and it takes more energy than you feel like you have at that moment where you're just at the bottom of your energy level. But you know that an outing and a change of scenery is going to be good for everybody. And so I decided, all right, Philip's going to be off work in about three more hours. Why don't I pack up all the kids, get everyone in their swimsuits, get all of the pool gear, get all the towels, everything that it requires for us to go to a pool, which is no small undertaking (laughs) for all these little kids. But we packed everything up and I decided to take everyone to the pool by myself. And first of all, we go to the pool when it's late in the afternoon because we have to work after we have to work around nap time. So it was late in the afternoon and I affectionately call that time of day at the pool the albino hours because that's when fair-skinned people like myself are able to go to the pool without getting a horrible sunburn. And so anyway, the kids and I, we went to the pool and it was awesome. The kids, they behaved wonderfully. They were good listeners. And more often than not, I'm figuring out that when Philip's not there, especially when we leave the house and I ask them to be on their especially good behavior, they usually step up they rise to the occasion and they loved it. And I loved it because we were able to get out somewhere where we normally wouldn't go without Philip. And Philip was able to meet up with us a couple hours later. And it was great. And it made me realize, okay, I was missing out on this opportunity for us to have this fun outing. What other limiting things, limiting beliefs do I have? What other things related to parenting or not am I missing out on? And I want to know if you've ever come to a realization like that, if you had your own limiting belief, and I want to know how you're working to fight through those limiting beliefs. I want to hear about that. Email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. And yes, you too can go to the pool by yourself with your kids. However, big caveat. I posted about this on Facebook and I had a couple of my mom friends say, oh my goodness, I don't know how you do it. I only have two kids. Let me remind all of you that say I quote unquote only have two kids that not all numbers are created equally in parenting and you have to, have to, have to give yourself grace and remember that the ages and stages, especially when you have, for example, two little ones who are toddlers and a newborn, that is one of the most difficult times to go to the pool. So do not say this, I only have two kids. I can't believe you did it with four. It's not all created equal. I have two older ones who are able to swim more or less independently and go off in the big pool. And when it's not as crowded at the pool, I can trust in the lifeguards. And the younger ones generally like to hang out in the baby pool with me. So it makes it a lot easier. So give yourself some grace when you think about these limiting beliefs and maybe realize, yes, in some ages and stages, it's not going to be a possible thing and that that's not necessarily a limiting belief. It's just a more limiting chapter. Um, But I'm talking about the things where you could do it, but you have to make 
an effort. You have to put in the work and at least attempt to do this thing, whereas before you completely discounted it even being a possibility in your life. So I had to just put that caveat out there. Don't say you only have two kids because holy cow, I'd say (laughs) those were some of my most difficult mothering stages and it has only gotten easier as the kids have gotten older. So there you go. Okay, today, the main topic of today's podcast, I am so excited to introduce you to Ashley through this podcast episode. Ashley Stevens is married to Brad and she's a mother to three precious girls. And Ashley recently launched her ministry called Mountains Unmoved, where she shares about her everyday musings on family and faith and her inspiring path toward healing and wholeness in Christ after a nearly fatal accident. If you'd like to read more about Ashley and her ministry, you can find her on mountainsunmoved.com. Ashley gets asked to speak about her accident and recovery and reflections on all of that a lot, and I hope you'll have a chance to hear or read about her story. It's truly remarkable. But today, I wanted to ask Ashley to come on the show as just one of my girlfriends to share about something that I know a lot of you listeners are living right now, and that is parenting while your spouse travels for work. And I just love Ashley's perspective, her honesty, and her levity. I think you're really going to love it too. Here's Ashley. My name is Ashley Stevens. I'm from Tennessee, but I went to school at UNL to play soccer. And uh, up at UNL, I met my now husband. And in my time in school, I ended up working as an RA and joining the church. And right after I joined Staff with Focus, and I served first at Benedictine College and then back at UNL. And my when I served at UNL, um, me and the other women missionaries were driving to an end of the semester retreat, and we got in a really bad car accident. Um, and so my ministry just kind of speaks to that. Um, speaks to anyone suffering or helping someone suffering um, to offer hope uh, in in the hard spots and to offer ways that you can support someone else in a hard spot. And Ashley, you share so beautifully on your blog. Can you tell the listeners where they can find your blog if they'd like to read more about your story? Yeah, my blog is at mountainsunmoved.com. And I came up with that title, people ask, Many Mountains Were Moved. Absolutely. Um, You know, in the beginning, they told my fiance at the time and parents that I likely wouldn't make it. And I made it. um, But at the time that I came back to UNL, um, I just was struggling with the things that were not yet healed. I I had lost hearing in one ear. Um, My right hand didn't work like it had. So I was just struggling to readjust and failing to see um, all that God had done. So that's another part of my my blogging and my speaking, just talking um, and encouraging people to see the bigger picture when they're frustrated about all the things that aren't exactly like they want and think that God should make them be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you'd like to listen and, um, not listen, read more about Ashley's story, you can find her at mountainsunmoved.com. But before you started this ministry, 
you were staying at home with your young family. So you and Brad got married what year? December 12th of? 2009. 2009. So that means, let's do some math. You've been married for nine years? Almost nine years. Okay. Yep. And you have how many children? We have three little girls. The oldest okay. is six. She just started kindergarten this year. And then we have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. All girls? All girls. We're three for three. Yep. And I, I wanted to invite Ashley to come on the podcast because before we started recording, Ashley and I were talking and I wanted to really emphasize on this episode that Ashley is more than her car accident that she was in. And so much of your story is not just about that accident and what has happened revolving around your healing and so on, but also how you try to bring everyday actions, how you try to find holiness through the everyday of being a wife and a mother who is at home with your young children. And so I wanted to share about that in particular today. And so I sent Ashley a whole bunch of questions about what it's like to be a mom who's at home with these young kiddos and working on your ministry at the same time and the reality of what the day-to-day -day looks like with its challenges, its blessings, and the uniqueness that it has. Because I know a lot of the listeners have spouses who have to travel for work. So if you're ready, let's go ahead and jump in. Yeah, absolutely. So I w I'm curious to know, and maybe you had a chance to ask Brad, what would he say is the hardest part of having to travel for him? Or actually, you know what, before we jump into those questions, can you paint a picture for the listeners of what his job is and what it looks like? Yeah, no, my husband works in politics. And his current position is he's the regional director for his organization. And so he manages 10 state directors, all in different states all throughout the country, um, as, as far as Georgia and Tennessee to Texas and Iowa, kind of all over. So he travels to the states often. Um, every month's different. April, it was every week. Um, it's just kind of seasonal, kind of revolves around the legislature legislature calendar. Um, but yeah, keeps him busy, but it's kind of, you know, what we're used to at this point. So his, is his travel season pretty much exclusively around the legislative season or what does the calendar year look like yeah. for your family? Yeah, it's definitely peaks during the legislature season. Um, in the summer, he has a few conferences he has to go to, um, or just kind of regional training meetings. Um, but yeah, primarily it's, it's heavy during the legislature. And then when he is traveling, is there a day of the week that he's typically gone and a day of the week that he typically returns or is it different? Um, the most common trip is Tuesday re really early in the morning to Thursday, really late at night. Okay. Um, so every trip's different. Sometimes it's all week. Sometimes it's Monday through Friday. Um, sometimes it's just an overnight. Um, but the most common is Tuesday through Thursday. Okay. So now let's go back to the questions. So what would Brad say is the hardest part of having to travel for him? He's a uh, short and to the point. <laughs> so when I asked him, he just said missing my girls, you know, because, you know, there's four of us girls at home. Um, and I think it's hard for him just because the ages that they're at, you know, they're six, the other one just turned five and just turned two. And at those ages, they're just changing so rapidly, not only physically growing, mm -hmm. um, but just like my one daughter learned how to read and the other one learned how to walk. And so just um, at these early stages, just kind of feeling like he's missing 
um, pretty important moments is hard. And we'll get to this a little bit later on with technology and so on, but has that helped you to feel more connected to him while yeah. he's away? No, absolutely. I was a um, Android for life girl. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think once we started, once he started traveling more, um, I was like, we just need to be able to FaceTime and sync our calendars, our, our Gmail calendars. Um, and so that's kind of why I switched over to the iPhone. Um, so yeah, that helps a lot. Just being able to FaceTime, um, to tell, you know, have him tell the girls good night or just check in, um, you know, for random important moments, like I just mentioned throughout the day. Yeah. And then would you say, um, that, cause I know throughout your relationship, distance has been the common theme since the beginning. So can you give the listeners the timeline of your relationship and how distance has always been in one way or another part of your relationship? Yeah. So we met my junior year of college. We were both RAs in the same building. Um, and so we got to know each other that year and it was that summer, um, we decided to date, but that was Brad's first year on staff with focus, which is the fellowship of Catholic university students. And what you commit to your first year on staff with focus is a dating fast. And that just means writing letters and talking once a week. So his first year on staff, we were quote unquote dating, but just writing letters and that's also the year that I joined the church and then graduated and joined staff with Focus. So the next year was my first year on staff. So it was another year of long distance, writing letters, dating. Um, and so we were excited, I guess, our, when I came back to UNL to finally be dating in the same city. Um, but that was just a few months after that was when the car accident happened. Mm -hmm. And then we were across the country while I was in therapy. Um, because you had gone back home to Tennessee to be near your family. Right. So they could help take care of you. Yeah, I had six months of therapy after the accident um, while Brad was still up here in Lincoln with his first job after Focus, working in politics. Um, just trying to get his ground under his feet because he knew, um, you know, an engagement or the wedding was in the near future. Um so then when we did get married um, on the one-year anniversary of the accident, um, his job at that point was where he traveled often. Mm -hmm. And it was similar to the job he has now, but he was a state director. Um, so at that time, travels more throughout the state mm -hmm. and, you know, by day. So it's kind of all we've ever known. Yeah. Um, now it involves more flying. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, we've always been either long-distance dating or married and just, uh, you know, traveling a lot. And I didn't even consider it until you started talking tonight about distance always being a common theme with your relationship, how in a lot of ways that's a blessing for you now that you have these beautiful three daughters in the picture because you never knew a life without distance prior to that. And I imagine that if distance had entered into the equation after you had begun having children, that that would have, in a lot of ways, been much more difficult, having to negotiate what that looks like in your relationship. But since you've already figured out how you do that together as a team, in a lot of ways, that that, that part of the burden is lifted. Yeah. No, I'm so thankful that we had kind of figured it out before we even had kids, you know, because of our 
dating story and his work story, um, we had kind of um, gotten into our rhythm. Now, kids change things, obviously, because right. um, you want to be there for them, but then it also adds pickups and drop-offs and activities when they get older and all that. So that complicates it when he's out of town. But yeah, it was nice not having that be a shock to the system. Yes. Um, because, you know, it's all we've ever known. Yeah. So then what would Brad say is probably the hardest part for you? We know what the hardest part for him is, missing the girls. Yeah. What would he say is the hardest part for you with him traveling? He said just being three on one, you know, three girls against me. And he, he said it, a lot of times with our girls at their ages, it kind of feels like we're herding cats. Like <laughs> getting them out the door in the morning is just... it's not our most pleasant time of day. I'll put it that way. So just doing that, you know, by myself, um, he's like just the amount of energy that that takes to, you know, streamline the getting ready and the outfits and the teeth and the, you know, zipping coats and tying shoes and all that. He's like, you know, just the exhaustion, I guess, of the energy that 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 takes. Oh yeah. And even, on my side of things, having Philip home a lot of mornings, fortunately, he doesn't have to be in the office or the hospital too early most mornings, but holy cow, during the winter months when you have all of the coats and the gloves and the hats, and mm-hmm. then you're not supposed to put them in the car seat with the coat, and then <laughs> right all of the other things, it adds up and yeah. makes for just a lot of variables and things that could potentially go wrong, and mm-hmm. then when you have a child who, I don't know if you have this situation where a child maybe is a little opinionated about what they want to wear. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness for uniforms. Yes. Being a thing. Mm -hmm. But even with that, there's still, yeah. Yeah. So, my hat off to you. That's another point, though, what you brought up. Like, um, So I'm talking about spouses that travel. But a lot of um, other, you know, spouses have different situations like yourself when Mm -hmm. Phil was in residency, like just that have different hours where it's like they're not home, you know, when the kids are home. So I think, you know, what we're what we're talking about today can apply to anyone that just has been, you know, has a big workload or different hours or is in med school or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, just fill in the blank there. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I agree because um, while compared to a lot of our other friends that have physician spouses, Philip comparatively in pediatrics doesn't have as demanding of a schedule as others, but a lot of that is because he and I were very deliberate from the day he began medical school talking about big picture, what are we hoping for lifestyle-wise? Yes, you're signing up to be a physician, and yes, stereotypically, that looks like a more comfortable financial lifestyle, but what are we willing to sacrifice? What are we not willing to sacrifice in terms of what your day-to-day schedule is going to look like and what that's going to translate into for our family? And I've known a lot of people who have grown to resent medicine and say that they are quote-unquote married to medicine Mm. because their spouse because of the demands of the job, are not able to be as available. But because we knew that we hoped if God made it possible for us to have a large family, that I, with my temperament, needed a husband who could be available and physically present, we chose together pediatrics because we knew not only was it something that Philip was passionate about and excited about, but he was going to be able to be very hands-on, present, physically, and involved in a way that 
I needed him to be. But it still required that chapter of residency being at right. med school. Demanding and tough. But for us, the difference between that and what you're living is it was for a discrete amount of time. And I knew that there was a finish line. Whereas with a spouse that travels for work for the foreseeable future, I knew that he had graduation and I could look forward to that. And then in your scenario and your family and other families that I know where a spouse has to travel or has a really demanding job where they can't be as present, you have to figure out this is what you love. This is where your passion lies. How can we work together? And then also with you starting your ministry, how can you continue to thrive and live and have your dreams while having a spouse who travels right. a lot for work and figuring out that whole delicate dance? Yeah. And that that's another important point. Like you mentioned, um, that residency was a chapter. And I feel like, I mean, you can never know... Um, how long a certain job is going to last. Like he loves this job. He's good at it. It's, it works for us, but, um, it's where we're at right now. Right. You know, so not, I don't, you know, when he's gone for a week at a time, Monday through Friday, I'm not like, this is how things are going to be always, you know? Um, just, you know, he loves his job. He loves his coworkers. Um, but just recognizing, I guess that, um, we're young. Yeah. (laughs) Things change, you know? So just knowing, um, maybe it'll change for us as a family when our kids get older and get involved with things. Cause right now it's just Tuesday evening, you know, dance practice, but, mm-hmm. um, when they have games or things like that, maybe we'll readjust, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I think that helps keep me grounded, I guess, mm-hmm. just recognizing this is right now. This is where we're at right now. And I think that's the perfect attitude for a young mom period, because, yeah. Without that attitude, it's so easy to put the blinders and tunnel vision on and think, this is my life forever, mm-hmm. With whether it's potty training or whatever the struggle du jour might be for that moment, and to think, I cannot do this forever. And no, you weren't made to do that thing forever. And thank God, literally, thank God, that we do not have to handle those little tiny moments forever and ever and ever. And like you said, we're young. I don't know that Philip will be able to be in his current job forever and ever. And we can't plan on that and control it. And that's part of being Christian. You get to say, all right, Jesus, take the wheel. You're the boss. I'm not. But I love that you're able to take a step back and say, no, this is where we are now. And like you said, Brad loves his job now. And God willing, he will get to continue on with that for as long as he wants him there but that that's now and it's probably not forever. Right. And I think that's such a tool that Satan uses, you know, just to lead us into the lie of like, this is how things will be forever, mm-hmm. particularly when we're in a hard spot. Yes. Um, you know, just saying nothing's ever going to change because this and this and this, you know, um, and just really losing the big picture and the hope um, that God has a, a good plan for your life in your family and your kids. And so right now this is where we're at and this is working and we, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, but it's good. But just recognizing even when it's hard, even on days when we're just tantruming all of us yeah. <laughs> at each other, um, just clinging to that thought like this is today, Yeah, you know? 
there's always tomorrow and there's always, you know, whatever God has in store. Um, I think just is such an important thing to remind yourself when you feel just overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with, um, I don't know, despair or discouragement, um, and the hardships. Or a pity party. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, back to being a young mom and having that mindset, I think I've tried to carry that attitude over to other areas, like with trying to figure out how I wanted to start exercising. I thought when I started out, I have to figure out how I'm going to be able to exercise from now until forever. Mm-hmm. But instead, I realized really quickly, okay, no, Catherine, you have a baby and you're trying to just get to a healthy place. Mm-hmm. And in three months, this baby is going to be doing milestone X. Maybe it's crawling. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's whatever the situation may be. And realizing I am going to have to respond accordingly to that. And so maybe for this small amount of time, it works to go to the gym. Maybe for this small amount of time, it works for me to do it after the kids go to bed. Maybe for this amount of time, it works for me, blah, 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 and so on. And then if you have that mindset in the different areas of motherhood, it's so much easier to have peace. Right. Right. Just seeing it as like everything's incremental. Like, you know, there's always step one Mm -hmm. and then there's step two, like, and not just... I often do that, just set my expectations for myself so unrealistically high um, because of, I don't even know, seeing what other people have done or seeing, you know, what you see pictures online. And it's just like, no, no, where am I at today? Mm-hmm. Where do I want to be? And then what can, what baby step can I take to get there? And just not being like, I don't know, my babies are going to be living in, in diapers forever, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of deal. It's easy to go there when mm-hmm. you're in the diaper stage, right. and I imagine you were there for a little while. Yeah, but... and we'll be there again soon with one of them, but yeah. I'd like to know, when Brad is at home, part of his work is being able to work from home, right? Right. So when he's home, I know that distance and traveling has always been part of his career within your relationship, but has it been difficult for you now that you have these three young girls to renegotiate your roles when Brad is at home or because it's always been part of your life, has that not been as much of a struggle? Let me be brutally honest here. Please. Brad is our primary cleaner. Oh. He just, he, I think it's because he works from home. Mm -hmm. He just like, you know, uh, a house that is messy bothers him more than it bothers me. And I think it's because of that. That's not only his home where he eats and lives and sleeps, but it's his office. Yeah. Um, so he's always been beats me to cleaning. Um, so like he's the first, which I know is just such a huge blessing and it's, um, not typical. Um, But yeah, so now that he travels so often, it's something like, I need to learn, I need to grow up. (laughs) I mean, I I clean, but I was always like, it's kind of my person, like, I'll get to it. You know, like right now I'm doing this for the kids and this and this and this and dirty laundry in the floor didn't really bother me. So Mm -hmm. it's just one of those, I think him being gone so much has helped me be like, well, there is a point where I'm just like, this is too much. And then (laughs) I didn't want to have him come home to just chaos, you know? Um, So it's kind of, as far as renegotiating our thing, it just kind of helped me 
honestly, just pick up my cleaning game and figure out, um, I'm going to pick up all the toys at night or have the girls pick up their stuff. I'm going to wipe down the counters at night. And it's been cool. He's noticed that, you know, and he's, he's commented that on, on that, just saying like that he appreciates, um, things being more tidy when he comes home. So it's kind of, um, no, it's, it's nice that that's kind of his number one go-to cleaning. Um, but him traveling has been nice to help me, um, realize that's part of the stay at home mom or just, you know, living somewhere deal as well. So, um, do you struggle at all while Brad is gone? Is he able to participate in the disciplining from day to day and the parenting from a distance in a way that makes it easy for him to re-enter and be the physically present parent that is able to be, does it feel like he has a different role when he's home versus when he's away in that way? I don't think so. So my uh, go-to when the girls are acting up, like really bad acting up, especially when we have to be somewhere is I'm like, I'm going to call your daddy. (laughs) And usually like, no, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But Many times I FaceTime Brad right then. Oh, okay. Can you can you paint a picture of yeah. when that has happened, how it goes down? Nine times out of ten, it's in the morning when we're getting ready. Uh-huh. So I get the older two ready first and we're in the bathroom and, you know, they're throwing a fit about the outfit or something. Yeah. And I'm to a point now where I don't even say anything. I just hold up my phone and I say FaceTime Brad and I set it on the counter and I'm sitting there with a toothbrush uh-huh. with the toothpaste on saying you will brush your teeth right now nice. and then they finally open their mouth <laughs> and then like you know they're all you know pleasant and gumdroppy once Brad's on the phone so I just keep uh-huh. them on the phone until they get completely ready wow. and then I'm like good answers mix and cereal so yeah it, it's kind of nice like he doesn't even have to say anything I literally just say FaceTime Brad and they get their act together. Um, So yeah, same premise, I guess, as when he's there. Like, you know how it is. When you stay at home, it's just um, discipline seems to be more effective, at least in our case, with with dad. I think that's true for when you have in any marriage. If there's a parent who's primarily there, that voice starts to get tuned out for the child because Mm -hmm. they hear it so often. But when that other parent steps in and that the other parent can say, I'm going to call dad, I'm going to bring dad in here. If you guys don't start listening, there's great power. Yeah. And I'm grateful. Yeah. Oh yes. Very grateful. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so thankfully there's no real big discipline difference, Mm -hmm. um, unless he's like at work. But I think sometimes they're at the ages right now, like even just the threat of it, mm-hmm. like he'll call back, you know, even yeah. if he's in a, in a meeting, um, kind of helps him so calm down. So other than the cleaning, is there any other sort of dynamic shift when Brad's away versus when Brad is home? Because some of my friends have said, and and this was the case for me when Philip was in residency, we would get in the groove of how we did things at home while Philip was mm-hmm. gone. And especially if it was a busier month where maybe... It was a month where he had a rotation where he had to be gone all night and then slept during the day. So then I was really on my own. And when he would be able to come back into the scene, I would kind of have this horrible attitude of, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) That's not how we do things Mm -hmm. here. And I know that this has been part of your relationship for so long. Maybe you haven't had to combat that in the same way. But how do you... 
make sure that Brad is able to come in seamlessly and then step out when he needs to and come back in without there being any sort of a power struggle with, this is the way I've set things up, Brad. Yeah. And I need you to get on board with my plan. No, yeah. And most definitely that's happened. Sure. Um, and I think it, for me at least, it takes, like every school year, things are different. Mm-hmm. And then we've also moved like three or four times. So it's just like, situations keep changing and it takes a while to adjust um, to being on the same page in the current situation. So a good example for us um, is he, when he unloads a dishwasher, um, which he does often, he takes all the girls cups with the cup and the lid and he throws them both in the kids, you know, plate and cup section. And that's, I so much appreciate that he's unloading the dishwasher. But when I open up that drawer and it just looks like sippy cup vomit, (laughs) I'm just like, "Ah." so then I'm like screwing on all the lids Mm -hmm. and stacking the plates on the plates and putting the cups with the cups. Cause it's just like, I'm not, I said before, uncleanliness doesn't bother me, but misorganization does. Uh So it's just like, "Ah." but it's like, those are kind of like, does that matter? Like big scale, big picture. Does it matter that he didn't put a lid on a cup? <laughs> and the answer obviously is no. But I think right. it took me a while. Like I, I would never say anything, but I would just like, it would it would upset me mm-hmm. in a too unhealthy kind of way, like way yeah. too much. Um, so by now I'm just like, I'm thankful that he unloaded the dishwasher. But I also gave away nine out of 10 of our cups. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those, you have to like be thankful, but then also like figure out, which is kind of the new house and the new system, figure yeah. out what that thing is mm-hmm. um, to make it where you're both contributing. When he's there, it looks a little different, um, but to where it's not as sippy cup vomity as a, um, yeah. we, we had like 30 cups. It was just out of control, you know, so. Right. Because we both are going to have our ways of the way we like things to be done, which right. is a preference. It's not a moral issue. Yeah. So like Philip, before he met me and became part of our family as a married couple, he didn't realize that there was a way Catherine wanted the dishwasher to be loaded. Yeah. Like the the dishwasher thing. It's an issue mm-hmm. for so many couples. <laughs> it is so much, yeah. <laughs> that I know. And I had to come to a point where my spiritual director very wisely told me, this is not a moral issue. Yeah. And you just, you and Philip just need to figure out together when it's something that you really care that much about, you bring it to that person's attention. And then other times, Catherine, you'd have to be willing to say, is this worth talking about? Exactly. Does this help your husband to feel respected? No. Mm, okay. Yeah. Then you either need to figure out a solution that he's going to be okay with moving forward or just imagine this. Don't say anything. Yes, I know. Deal with it's it. so hard though. And because we are right. Yeah. That's well, what yes, we think, we right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> clearly the leg goes on the cup. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one example. But yeah, we kind of, our routines, we don't even talk about it, just change whenever he's home in that he usually makes the girls breakfast and drives them to school oh, good while, job, I, while I clean up things and, you know, whatever, have some quiet time Yeah. when he takes the girls to school. And, but we do stick to the normal getting ready in the morning and getting ready for bed routines in that I do that. Okay. Um, 
And I don't know if it's just because they're girls or because mm-hmm. I don't want to disrupt it um, when he is gone. Um, but yeah, I just kind of, I get him ready for in the morning and for bed. And that doesn't change when, when he's home. So do you feel like you've taken on more of the attitude of, this is something that I'm so used to because it has been my job when you are traveling that I'm going to continue to carry that on because that's the flow that we've established instead of the attitude of you're here now so you can take over. Hmm. Are there some areas where you feel like when he is there, you need that pressure release and there are the things that you're able to relinquish? He's very good about not ever letting it get there. Like today, for instance, um, he said this morning, he said, I'm going to take the girls to school and then I'm going to drop Emily off at kids park, which is like a, a drop in daycare. Um, and he, he took her there. He's like, and then I'll pick Rachel up from preschool, um, and just get done whatever you need to get done this morning. Um, so I went to the library and I had some books on hold and I picked them up and I took my laptop there and I, I prepped a talk that I'm going to give next week. Wow. And I just had that time. But it's like I didn't have to ask for that. Mm-hmm. So I think he does good being proactive about that. Yeah. About making sure it doesn't get to that point where I'm just done, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. And then when I was finishing up um, at lunch, he's like, I'll take him to Chick-fil-A and lay him down for naps at home. He's like, you take as long as you need. Wow. And so it's just like you know, little things like that, like the way his job works is every day is different when he's home, you know? So every certain mornings he has conference calls all mornings, but then he just has to be available. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's able to kind of give me that time to recharge, um, so that it doesn't ever get to that crazy. So do you think he's gotten better about recognizing when you're at that nearing breaking point and you have also gotten better about communicating when you're getting to that place? I, yeah, I, I think more so him. Yeah. <laughs> He's better at seeing it. Because I think this weekend I said I just want some time to like um, work on my laptop for a little bit. And it just didn't, didn't happen this weekend. Um, you know, because we were doing things and having fun and it's okay. Um, but I just like that he knows like if it doesn't happen all week and I'm giving the talk next week, then I'll be crazy. Like, you know, next weekend I would be like, ah. Um, so I think, yeah, he's just getting better at recognizing when I need that time to just have quiet. Good job, Brad. I know. Good job. He's awesome. How do you connect when Brad is traveling? You've mentioned technology being a big help, both with the discipline threat of I'm going to FaceTime dad. Right. But how else do you connect, both as a couple and as a family, when Brad is away? That's primarily what we do, to be honest. Um, I'm not, I don't need to lay it out on the table, you know, even when he's home. To have deep, meaningful conversations, like, I just need to check in. Like, that's kind of how I'm wired. Is that how it is when he's in town during the day? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's one of those, we FaceTime with the girls, and then I, you know, we talk on the phone at night. Um, when he's all done, just talking about his day and talking about mine, and um, that's kind of it. So no, nothing magical, um, mm-hmm. but that's just kind of how we connect when he's gone. When he when he's home, though, um, sometimes we drive together mm-hmm. to drop off the kids at school, and that's kind of our uninterrupted time to 
talk about what the day's going to look like or other mm-hmm. things. Um, sometimes we have lunch together if he's free. Um, and when neither of those come into play, we usually have drinks after the girls are in bed or play a game together. So, what um, are your favorite games? Hmm, I'm excited to try Chameleon that you mentioned the oh, other day. Yeah. Um, we like a game called Nerds. Okay. It's a Brad's family thing, but it, yeah, write it down. Nerds and Pitch. They're, um, I think they're like Nebraskan-centric, if that's a word, card games. Okay. But he grew up playing both of those. And Nerds is kind of like a, they call it two-handed solitaire. So it's 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 intense and it's fun. A little bit less intense when it's two people. Um, but we like we like that. I love Rummy Cube. That's I grew up playing that every weekend. Um, but if we don't have energy, we play Monopoly Deal, which is like Monopoly cards game. Oh. So it keeps it quick because I, I usually after bedtime don't have the patience to play a whole game of Monopoly. So it's just kind of a quick little uh, Monopoly card game. Because Monopoly can go on. Oh, and yeah. On and Monopoly on. and Risk are kind of on my no, no, never list. Um, but yeah, Monopoly Deal is a good quick one. And King's Corner is another one. Just kind of quick I card games. I never, okay, maybe it's because I'm horrible at cards and don't, I've never really played, but those are some games yeah. that Philip and I are going to have to yeah. try on our next They're fun. date night. I like it. So technology is a big part of how you connect with yeah. one another when he's traveling. I'm curious to know what the dynamic is with you and Brad, who, I I think I know the answer to this question, but who is the introvert, hmm. who is the extrovert, maybe there are two of one type, and then how does that affect the dynamic with you being primarily at home and with him primarily traveling, and with your needs for connection or yeah. space? Yeah, I think, like, when, I remember I took the, what is it, Myers-Briggs? Yeah test in high school and I got ESFJ. Um, so I think we both lean towards extrovert, okay. but it's different breeds of extrovert. Like his breed is like loud in big groups. Okay, That's not my breed. My breed is like one-on-one just like this or in smaller groups. I just love, I don't care if I don't know you. I just love to like get to know people. Yeah. And, but yeah, loud situations make me shut down a bit. Yeah. So I think we both char- uh, recharge by hanging out with people and talking to people, but different ways. Um, but that's one of the things that made it so hard when you did travel. Cause I'm like, where's my person? Yeah. Um, where's my adult conversation and things like that. Um, and that was hard at first cause we, uh, moved around a lot. Um, but now that we feel more settled, um, I got involved in a mom's group in my parish and thankfully, they meet in the mornings um, while one of my girls is at preschool. And so for me, when he's gone, that's just such a gift yeah. to have to get to know women in my parish, mm-hmm. um, but also just to have some adult time. Yeah. You know, like our preschoolers are running around, but just be able to talk about things that aren't, um, you got applesauce on your pants, you know, yeah. <laughs> to go a little <laughs> deeper is nice. So other than this mom's group that you've been involved in, how do you find that adult interaction that feeds you and on a regular basis? How do you connect with your friends? And this is a topic that I think I'm going to have to dedicate a whole other podcast episode to. The Because we've talked about this before. The deep desire that each of us has, regardless of what our spouse does for a living, what we do, whether we're working outside the home, part-time at home, etc. How you, as a young adult, balancing 
there's no such thing as perfect balance. But all of the needs that are in front of us and trying to have adult, good, holy friendships, how do you make that happen? Especially when you have the dynamic that you and Brad have with him traveling. Yeah. It's tough. I, I just wrote a post about this. Like, you just have to be awkward sometimes. Basically, that that's it in a nutshell. Yes. Like, especially like we moved to a new neighborhood, to a new parish. And it's like, so where do you connect when you stay at home? You connect with your neighbors. And, you know, since you don't have a coworker kind of thing, you connect with people at the parish or, or other parents of school classmates. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was... I pulled the awkward and I would just like walk up to random neighbors and say, hi, where do you live? And, mm-hmm. and walk up to random moms I saw at the school and say, I haven't met you yet. What's your name? How yeah. old are your kids? Like it just, it has to start somewhere. Right. And I feel like in college it's easy, you know, cause you're always around the same people and you go to class and you see people in the cafeteria every day. But when you live in a, you know, family home in a neighborhood, with everyone with the attached garages that they just open, pull in, shut. It's hard. Um, So I think in my case, I think you just have to introduce yourself to strangers and start somewhere um, Mm -hmm. to build it. Because without that, then you're just, in my case, like lonely. And and feeling kind of like I do when Brad travels, just like lacking the adult, authentic conversations and friendships. Well, I appreciate that you're also willing to be the awkward person because when the two of us finally got together, I think one of the first things I said to you was, let's be friends. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I loved it because, yeah, it's just one of those, I don't know, being polished is exhausting (laughs) and maybe it's some people's cup of tea, but it's just like, I want real friendships and real conversation. And Mm -hmm. if that looks like I want to be friends at the start or... I don't know, coming on too strong, then okay. Like, yeah. you'll press through it if you if you want to and if you're supposed to, you know. Right. And I slowly and surely, as I've gotten more comfortable in my own skin and who I am as a wife and a mom and so on, I'm realizing, like, when I come over to your house for the first time, I'm going to let my two-year-old act like a two-year-old yeah. and do the things that she does as a two-year-old exactly. instead of pretending like she's got the sharing thing down perfectly. Yeah. And we're going to work through it together as moms, but also let them be at the developmental age that they are. Right. While also just putting it out there to see how the person responds. Because if the person isn't going to accept who I am, where my child is, then that's right. not the friendship to pursue. And exactly. that's okay. Yeah. And it's not wasted time for either of you. Yeah. yeah. Now that's a good, glad you brought that up because that's another way you're saying, how do I find adult company? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's so many stay at home moms in our network. And so a lot of times when Brad's gone, I try to set up play dates just like that mm-hmm. and just having people over and hanging out and getting to know them and having our kids maybe become friends, you know, it's just yeah. um, a, a good respite. <laughs> When yeah. he's gone to have that time. And no one cares what the house looks exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah. No one cares what you're wearing. No yep. one cares about any of that. It doesn't matter if you've got, we could, I think you introduced me to these great, you had gotten, what were they? The pastries that you had found. <laughs> I just got them today. Target, like the scones? Yes. Yeah. The scones. Oh, Target. They were delicious. Yes, I know. But you could yeah. have gone to the trouble of making oh, something yeah. and spent all mm-hmm. this time on something. Yeah. 
But it would have been lost on me because I thought the Target bought scones were great. Right. And it was easy. wonderful, right. easy, delicious. And we were able to have great conversation. And you weren't spending all this time preparing for it yeah. in advance. Yeah. So relaxed hospitality, mm-hmm. I think, yes. is just a blessing for all of us. But especially when you have a spouse who's traveling, right. to not have that extra burden put on yourself. Yeah. No, I just, baking also is just not my strength. Like, when I go, I go. Like, I'm like, yeah. I'm making five casseroles because this happens, you know, quarterly. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's another thing. When, when Brad travels, like, I try to, if he's gone for an extended period, I try to, the f- last night he's there, make a big meal. So it can be as simple as like a big spaghetti dish, but I make it like times four. Mm-hmm. And then that way every night I heat up for leftovers. Yeah. And I, that doesn't bother me. Some people that might be too much spaghetti sure. or too much whatever. Um, but other times I make a big crock pot meal the night he's gone and I just put it on warm every day. Mm-hmm. And if the kids want something different like turkey corn dogs or, you know, on peanut butter and jelly, that's okay. But it, that just simplifies things. Yeah. And you you need that. Mm-hmm. I At least I need that when he's gone, you know, for four days at a time. Just like what can make my life and our routine with three girls under six more simple? Mm-hmm. And for me, that's just doing the big meal the night he leaves yeah. and just reheating every night. Now, I know we've talked about a lot of the challenges that come with having a spouse that travels. What do you see as a lot of the blessings or pros of having Brad travel for his job? Yeah. So he gets a lot of reward points. (laughs) So that's my in-laws sadly are not retired yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can't use them as regularly as we want. But with Southwest, he gets a companion pass, which means that I fly with him free anywhere for a year. Wow. Anywhere. So that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've used it a couple times, um, but it's just hard, you know, because we don't really have someone to watch our three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's definitely a perk, and he gets, you know, discounts on hotels and things like that. Yeah. Um, another perk is we do not like the same shows at all. Like, at all. Oh, please. He likes... Tell me... Oh. Some, you can tell me off the air what all of your favorites yeah. are and what his are because Philip and I are always watching the same shows no. and that's the problem because no, then I, I don't wish. have something. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're polar opposites. So oh, that's kind of amazing. Selfishly. Well, not selfishly. It's nice to be able to catch up on my shows yeah. when he's gone or, or binge if, if I get the free time. Yeah. Um, that's nice. I also, it's nice to have more time to work on the ministry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when the girls do nap, I try to like limit it to then. Um, if, if there's not, you know, something pressing I need to do around the house. So I try to like get the blog posts or, or just, I'm in the early stages right now. So just like learning something. Yeah. Um, it's nice to have more disposable time mm-hmm. to do it when he's gone. So I don't have the guilt of like, this is not number one. Right. It's nice. And I, I feel called to it. But my number one right now is him and them. And so it's nice just having, I guess, a little more affordable uh, spare time to do that. Um, but yeah, so I think those are the perks. Just the, the travel rewards, the self-time. And maybe that self-time can mean like reading. Um, but just having more time to do the things that recharge you that um, you just don't um, have a priority when he's home. Has... Um... 
in the earlier days of marriage when he would come back from a time away of travel did it feel like this big exciting reunion homecoming because I imagine there are days when you're just all right I need you to take over and I need to just go close the doors oh the yeah and be quiet oh there are definitely the those yeah so what what do you do when you have had just one of those days but he's been gone and he walks in the door is it more often than not evening and girls are in bed when he yeah. gets home or is it all so usually I'm in bed Really? So I guess that kind of so puts that factor out of the way. Yeah. Sometimes it's like when the girls are going to bed, but usually it's like midnight or something. So it's like, you know, we're all done. Um, but he, he has told all of his coworkers one time recently, I was putting together my calendar when he got home from a trip. And that's, that's a hardship, I think, of him being gone, just syncing things because his trips are... Sometimes he's like, I'm leaving tomorrow. Like, it's just so, it's hard to plan around because they just come up. So I was trying to put our, our summer schedule today together and he walked in the door. I was like, you know, I think, I'm sure I said hi and I kissed him, but I said, when are you leaving again? <laughs> and he jokes around with his coworkers like, she already wants me out of the house. <laughs> and I, I was just, though I, it's something I need to work on, but the way I'm, um, I'm wired. I'm like, this is what I'm working on right now. So I want to like complete the calendar. So I was more just like trying to get his trips up on a calendar so I could, you know, figure out when we could host people over for dinner. But yeah, sometimes it's, um, yeah, a lot of that. Because typically how much warning or time do you get before you know that he's leaving? Sometimes, like I said, it's the next day. Yeah. Um, other times you can plan more in advance. Um, but yeah, it just helps kind of at least planning out the month. That's I'm sure that's what I was doing. Just getting the month calendar updated just helps kind of knowing when the next next one is up. But So do you have to cancel plans pretty frequently because of work stuff? That is up? a hard thing. I I just make them less. Yeah. I've, I've learned like I, we had to cancel a lot in the beginning. And it's hard. So it's like, I just, I love hosting people for dinner, but it's so hard to do that mm -hmm. when you don't know when he's going to be home. Um, so yeah, that is hard. Just not feeling like you can get things on the calendar yeah. because the trips kind of come as they will. So have you gotten to the point with thing with some things where even if he has to cancel, you're willing to just say, well, moving right along, we're still sticking with the plan or does it just... I'm sure it depends. Yeah, yeah, it depends. Um, but usually I just, I don't put it on my calendar until like he is sitting in front of his laptop and has all the other trips planned. Like I don't mm -hmm. add, you know, fun trips or have friends over until I know 100% yeah. that he'll be there. But flip side, I imagine that makes the times when the stars align all the more precious yeah. to you. yeah. Because I know when Philip was in residency, when we were able to have that really special date night or yeah. when we did get to have the long weekend getaway that we did maybe twice during residency to Kansas City, mm -hmm. that those were right. things that I will treasure forever because they meant that much more. Yeah. Us. Whereas now we can do those things on a much more regular basis and it's not that we don't enjoy them, but the value of that time is different now than it was when we were in the more pressure cooker yeah. situation. Yeah, no, I relate to that. It, it's nice. Um, I think especially with the girls, it's one of those, when he's gone, he's gone. But when he's here, he's here. Yeah. 
Um, like this weekend, he took all the girls to um, a gardening store and got all of our like strawberries and what else did we get? Blueberries. Lots of fruits I'm missing. But he like spent the whole afternoon with them just like tilling our soil and our six-year-old helped him dig out things and plant things and put the compost on. Um, so I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps me, I don't know, um, I was going to say miss him less, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, it just helps that when he's here, he's, you know, 100% here. Right. Um, and I think it also part of that is that he works from home, so he's able to be a little more too. But that helps combat, I guess, the the hardship of him being gone. Um, just, you know, the fact that he's more present when he is there. You said the things saving your life as a mom oh, with the yes. tablet. And these are like the Thank big, you. the big Thanks ones. So, so I, I want to get to these. Yeah. Yes, please. Number one, and this is pricey, but it's so worth it. Our My entire family got for Brad a Roomba. Okay. Yeah. Which is, if you don't know, an electric vacuum cleaner. Our house, our main story is um, black hardwood, mm-hmm. which is beautiful when you're touring the home. But when you live there, oh my gosh, it just shows everything because it's just like a black backdrop of crumbs and, you know, just everything, mess. And so that has just been huge when he's gone. Mm -hmm. And that's been another thing that's helped me up my cleaning game because every night I just pick up all the toys and run the Roomba and then you wake up to a freshly vacuumed floor. And so that's huge. Number two, and this is this should probably be number one, the YMCA. <laughs> Let me tell you, they have a two-hour babysitting limit. Almost every day when he's gone, I use all every minute of the two hours. Some days, and I know this is I'm sure is frowned upon. Some days I go and I don't even exercise. No, I totally did that when we had a membership. Right. Not at the Y, but somewhere. Some else. days I just take a long shower dry my hair I do makeup I read or I you know work on the laptop like so that is yeah just nice to get that in pretty much daily when he's gone to use that and I'm sure the girls love it too because there are kids there yeah oh they love it yeah my two-year-old especially just loves running around playing good for you I'm glad there are other moms and I know there are others because my friends do it too who can go guilt-free mm. and you don't even have to, like you said, exercise. Or pay for babysitting. I mean, yeah. more or less you are, but like, you know, in comparison to what you would, right. especially for three kids, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, that's huge. And the last thing, and this is what one of, uh, a girl in my old Bible study recommended, it's a discipline system. Mm. And usually I have to pull this, especially when he's gone, when they get a little cranky. And um, the book is called The Well-Behaved Child by John Roseman. And his system basically talks about using checks. And this for us has been the most effective at, um, I don't know, getting them to behave like they should. So you you have a a check system and the first three checks are the buffer zone. And you choose whatever behavior it is that you're targeting. So for us, it's just whining. So if you whine, you get a check. Mm -hmm. Whine again, check. And then the fourth check is when you start losing things. Mm. And so what you lose, I think, you know, adjusts to what your kids value the most. Um, but our first lose something check is desserts. Our second lose something checks is screen time. And our 
third, so that would be the sixth check. And I think this is the most important because usually when they're cranky, it's because they're tired. So our sixth check is that they go to bed an hour early. And this is huge, especially when he's gone Monday through Fridays. And I feel like my life is just a 24 hour wine. Just saying we're doing checks today. And when you get, you know, often that sends them to bed an hour early, yeah. um, which, you know, just has to like teach them. The whole point is like, you don't whine. Right. Um, and then you, you notice the behavior turning around quickly. So that's been a huge um, card to pull, I think, when, when they're not acting like they should, but especially when he's gone. Where um, were you eight years ago to mm, tell me all of this? It, it is a true <laughs> gift. So that's kind of our big Roomba, the why, and the checks. Like, And, you know, everything's adjusted. So pick your behavior. Yeah. And then I think you can also, like, shorten the checks if your kids are older mm-hmm. um, to make the buffer zone less. But I, I just love that because it's like saying no. Yeah. And then, like, it just incrementally increases with the punishment after they get through the buffer zone. And that's been huge, I think, just... Saying like, all right, we're we're getting whiny again. We're going back to the checks, and we kind of like go back and forth depending upon how they're being. Uh-huh. Um, but th- yeah, that's a gift. So for that system, you're zeroing in on one behavior, like whining. For us, it's usually across for. the board. So okay. it it might be harder, I guess, if you had different behaviors you wanted. To, which if you're organized, go for it. But to me, I'm like, I just don't. I'm not going to make a different chart for each kid. Like, I'm just not. So we just have a little dry erase board, like, right in our kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's whining, you get a check. And it's just, each each of our girls have one, yeah. our bigger girls. And they see it, and they know where they're at in the checks. Um, so I guess if you wanted to have a different behavior for each kid. And, no. But to me, I was like, <laughs> if it's not easy, I'm not doing it. Yeah. That's what I love about this. Because you don't have to come up off the top of your head, what the consequence is going to be. You already have it's, it all laid out in your head. Yep. There's no guesswork. It's you a, know what the You know, is. exactly. And because th- I imagine being the solitary disciplinarian, having to be there and figuring it all out and managing all of it, it's just simple. There's no guesswork. They yeah. know what the consequences exactly. are going to be. It's very and, clear. And we said before, like, it doesn't, with, with Dad... All it takes is a FaceTime call. Right. That's not the case with me. But the checks, it, you know, makes them act like they should. And for the friend that recommended it, her discipline actions were different. Hers were like helping them with chores. Mm-hmm. So I think it just depends on basically what you need. Right. Um, but also what what would impact them, you know, them obviously in a, in a uplifting, you know, like a good way. But, um, right. but dessert, screen time, and go to bed. I think go to bed early is always the last check. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a reason mm-hmm. um, outside of just, oh, they're, they're four. Like, you know, they're tired. So right. I think that's just a good universal last check. Yeah. But the, that, that's been a gift. The HALT acronym. If they're hungry, angry, mm-hmm. lonely, yeah. tired. They're going to be doing these behaviors. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I'm so glad. That yeah. No, that. I hope someone puts that to use. The book, I'll say it again, which you can just, I'm sure, Google the system. But the book was good. It was called The Well-Behaved Child by John Rosamond or Rosamond. I think it's Rosamond. Yeah. I will link to that most yes. definitely. Yes. The show notes and everything yes. else. All right. Well, I have a new closing question that I would like to start asking all of my guests. And I, for now, and I'm just going to refer to it as, for lack of a better phrase, I couldn't come up with anything else, a holiness hack. Now, this is 
something that you've learned, read, or started doing that is helping and inspiring you on your path to holiness. And it can be something really small and seemingly trivial that's helping you for whatever reason, or it could be something big and profound. Go for it. Yeah. So I haven't gotten or read it yet, but there was a book recommended by a friend and this friend is just going through a really hard time right now, really medically hard time um, with without answers, I think, of really what's causing it, of how to heal it. And he um, did a Facebook post and he recommended a book and it's called He Leadeth Me. Um, and it's about a man that was captured um, in World War II by the Russian army and he went through 23 years in a labor camp. And during those 23 years, he basically just clung to prayer. And that prayer gave him peace to endure and even accept the evil around him as a means to draw closer to God. And I haven't read it yet, but one of the quotes um, from the book on the back of the book um, is making me excited to read. And it says, what can trouble the soul that accepts every moment of every day as a gift from the hands of God? And strives always to do his will. And I mean, that's just a boom quote if I've ever heard it. But just knowing his story mm-hmm. and that that's what he's saying. Like, what can trouble the soul? Yeah. You know, after he spent 23 years of, I'm sure, just torture um, to come out of that and be mm-hmm. saying that. Um, I can't read to, to read it. But yeah, it's called He Leadeth Me. Okay. And I have heard that title before. It's by Father Walter Chizak. And I'm pretty confident on the pronunciation, but I'll get to that in the <laughs> yeah. show notes because that one is one that I've been wanting to read forever. Yeah. And I am so selfishly encouraged that Ashley Stevens struggles with the day-to-day stuff that comes so from much. parenting because I think it would be easy for someone who has heard your story with your accident and your recovery and everything else to think, oh, Obviously, you're an amazing woman, and I admire so much about you, but I think it would be easy for an outsider looking in to think, like what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, that your life, your story is just about this accident Mm. and moving on from that, but you still struggle with the sippy cup vomit situation and the day-to-day, but that those small mundane things are still part of your path to holiness, Mm. just like all the rest of us, and I'm so encouraged and inspired to hear that you could have a big earth-shattering momentous moment like that in your life and still struggle with the sippy cup lid oh so many lids <laughs> yeah 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 I think that's beautiful and I think that book speaks to that message too that when you're willing to be open to the Holy Spirit working in your life even if it's something that's seemingly trivial right like that it can change your life and the lives of those that you're with yeah and I think just in those sippy cup kind of moments, like just taking a breath, (laughs) taking a, you know, even if it's like a five second breath and just thinking like, these kids are mine. This spouse is mine. Like, and just remembering the crazy amount of gifts we have in our life, you know, whether it is a spouse that travels or, you know, kids that are at a hard phase and needing the checks, you know, I think just in those moments of when you're at the last check, just saying like, thank you, Jesus, you know, yeah. that I have these children. Thank you, Jesus, that I have this spouse. 
that is our that cleans for us that empties our dishwasher you know um that gardens with the girls all day i think um because i've been there i've been in those spots that are just they feel like a, a hell yeah but in those moments just remembering that like even in that like this book you know author even in that there's so much goodness um that you just have to remember to see and to look for and yeah, that's one of the um, things that I hold on to on the hard days when Brad travels, for sure. That's beautiful. And I think you said you had one other thing to share for a holiness hack. Yeah, yeah. So over Lent, I added 30 minutes to my alarm um, just to get in some solid prayer time. And that's been huge. Um, I am a convert, as I said. Mm-hmm. And it's been great just to reconnect with scripture. I'm going through Job. Um, prepping for a talk was just just heavy and also boom. Um, but just seeing like how his friends reached out to him and were there for him, but like in a, in a not, not very leading to God kind of way. So just dissecting that right now has been, made me excited to, to get into scripture again in the morning, but also has kind of made our morning getting ready easier too, mm-hmm. made that getting out of the door less crazy. Um, so yeah, I've stuck with it after Lent um, because of, you know, just having that alone time in scripture, but then also just making, you know, getting out the door cr- less crazy. That's awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that because the chapters of life, and there's been times where I've had to swing the pendulum back and let the kids wick me up. But in those chapters, when you're in survival mode, and you're letting the kids beat your wake-up alarm, it feels like fire drill mode. At least that's how it mm-hmm. has felt to me when so much. I'm letting them dictate when I'm starting my day. But if you're not in survival mode, and again, moms, we're not saying this is a prescription that everyone should do this to have a good holy prayer life, that sometimes there will be a chapter where you're not able to do this. But if you can, to make the discipline to wake up early before your kids because it will bear so much fruit, not yeah. just for you and your prayer life, but for your whole family. Yeah. Oh, that, that brought one thing to mind that we didn't what? talk about. It would be too late to dive back no, in. No, no, no. Please go ahead. So this is another thing. I, I think I missed one of the questions. Um, one of the most important things to make it less crazy when Brad's gone is asking yourself what frazzles you. That's the thing you need to be on top of and be ahead of. So for us, it's getting ready in the morning yeah. and baths and eating. So I kind of said how we handled eating with the big yeah. meals. Um, but baths drive me crazy when they're after bed. So we do baths when we get home from school. We mm-hmm. just do them right away because I know they put me in a bad place. <laughs> to, to giving all three girls clean and, and getting ready in the morning is another thing that frazzles me. So we just, and I'm sure this is, you know, a, a common thing, but we make sure to get everything ready the night before. So hang up all the outfits, including myself, mm-hmm. get my outfit out, get all three of their outfits out, get their lunches packed the night before. Cause it's just like, you just, there's so much, especially when Brad's gone. It's like, if I had to pack a lunch in the morning, just no. Yeah. So that helps just, and you know, maybe for you, it's a different thing that frazzles you, um, but just handle that or figure out how you're going to before Mm -hmm. your spouse leaves. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. I'm glad you circled. Yeah. No, I was like that. That kind of rung that bell. Well, Ashley, this was phenomenal. And I know that it's going to bear a lot of fruit in the listeners' lives, but before I let you go, where can the listeners find you online to learn more about you and your ministry? Yeah, so my website is at mountainsunmoved.com 
and it's a blog and speaking ministry. And so I blog more or less every week. Um, and I would love to connect with all you guys and or have me come speak at one of your events. Next week, I'm speaking to the Young Catholic Professionals Group in Omaha. Um, and I just spoke uh, to the 700 Club recently with my husband and Father Mantia. So it, it's, you know, at the early stages, but I'm exciting. It's exciting kind of getting out there and sharing stories and um, just trying to encourage anyone in a hard spot to press on. So if someone wanted to watch the episode of you on the 700 Club, is there a way that they could find that footage online or how could someone find that episode? It's in one of my blog posts, but or you could just also do a Google search. Just say Ashley Stevens 700 Club. And that kind of has, you know, a fuller picture of our story and just how um, the power of prayer just kind of got us to where we're at today. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, no, it was I'm, an honor to do. Well, I'm so proud of you, your yes to God, not just in sharing your story with the accident and your road to recovery, but just, like I said, your story of your day-to-day and how mm-hmm. you're still striving for that path to holiness because it's so inspiring and encouraging to me and many others. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Catherine. It was fun. Wasn't she awesome? I know that you loved that conversation as much as I did. After we finished our interview, Ashley followed up and sent me an email and she had a couple of thoughts that she wanted me to be sure and add on. So I'll quickly go through these things. First of all, she wanted me to make sure and share that it is so important when you have a spouse that travels to make sure you're not only thanking them for the things that they do when they're home, but also for the things that they do when they're away. So for Ashley, she rattled off the FaceTime disciplining, checking in, and all the things that they do ahead of time to help out when they're traveling. That helps her from not building up resentment for the times that Ashley is parenting solo. And then she also wanted to share some mom hacks with all of us who are flying solo at home. First, she says, do what frazzles you as early as possible. Baths, homework, outfits for the next day. Next, easy kid-friendly meals. So for her, that means uncrustables, turkey corn dogs, peppers and pretzel chips and hummus and grapes. And she says, that's a five-course meal. Crock pot or big meal the day that Brad leaves. She mentioned that in the podcast episode to make a big meal that they can eat off of for the rest of the week. Also frozen family dinners that she spreads throughout and Tupperware throughout the week. Next, being content with plan B. She says, you are caring for the kids, all caps, by yourself. You're a super mom or dad and don't let parenting not look 100% per- not letting parenting look 100% perfect while they're gone. Don't let it make you feel like a failure. Also, egos and a banana in the car for breakfast when rushed is a legit breakfast. McDonald's play place for dinner is an absolutely okay option. Next, yoga pants and messy bun all week. Next, higher expectations of my kids. Talk with them before spouse leaves and that you'll need them to help or pick it up while dad is gone. For us, that means the older two brush their teeth, get dressed, and pour cereal for everyone while I get the baby and myself ready. Lift them up when they do this like a pepped up cheerleader to encourage it to continue. And that's it for Ashley's tips. 
Also, I wanted to be sure and follow up and say, Ashley, your discipline system that you shared on this episode with John Roseman's six checks have definitely been a thing around this household since we did this interview, and it has been nothing short of revolutionary. So thank you so much for sharing that. If nothing else, that alone is worth its weight in gold. But I'm sure the listeners are going to get so many pearls of wisdom from your interview. Thanks for coming on. That's going to do it for this week. Be sure to find Ashley if you'd like her to come and speak at an event. Or if you just want to learn more about her and her ministry, you can find her online at mountainsunmoved.com. And as always, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram or email your feedback to podcast at katherineboucher.com. If you liked today's episode, please go ahead and share it with a friend. Maybe you have a friend who has no idea what podcasts even are. Go ahead and ask them if you can borrow their phone, show them how to download podcasts, and put this episode on there for them. It's episode number 24 of While You Were Folding. Until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while you were folding.